Welcome to the Western Revolution Show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. How often do we test our limits? When and where does this happen? For men, too often, this is on the playing field or in the gym. I know for me, I am more apt to push myself over the last step, peering into some contrived space to muster the will and the strength to facilitate a better time or another rep. But we have limits in every phase of our life. How far will we go to be with the one that we love? How much will we do to get ahead at our job or in our careers? What will we do after failure? The successful know that limits are to be pushed. Only then can they facilitate ongoing growth. The unsuccessful see limits as the end point, the last breath, the last gasp, the last effort. It is their finish line. Yet to find the healthiest versions of ourselves and to answer the question posed each day of each week, we must define our limits and then push past them. To help me unpack this journey of pushing past your limits, I am joined by my good and great, awesome, amazing, wonderful, big-brained friend, CEO of Kimberly Putman Coaching, the Kimberly Putman. What's going on, Kimberly? How you doing? I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. I am happy. I am happy. I am. I am happy to be here with you. Uh, good afternoon to the illustrious Rachel Graham. <laughs> who is now throwing almonds through the glass window. Hey, we're going to have fun today. Say hello to my band, Jazzo, Behind the Wheels and Steels. Kim, it's a pleasure to have you here with me today. It's always a joy to be here with my people as we talk about revolution. So, Kim, i got to ask you, what's your revolution? My revolution. I have both a personal and a professional well, tell, revolution. Tell me, tell me both. Tell me both. So my personal revolution is to show up as my best self every day, regardless of what's happening inside me or around me. My job or my revolution is to show up as my best self on that particular day. I got you. Your best self. So you know I want to unpack that a little bit, right? You know, because if, you, if you're watching on Facebook Live, you know, it looks like you showed up as your best self today. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Thank you. You showed up as your best self. What does that look like? What does that mean, being your best self? Well, I always think about myself as a professional first, and a professional is someone that shows up regardless of how they feel. Mm-hmm, exactly. They show up, they do the job um, in the way that they promised to do it, regardless of how they feel and what's going on around them. So that's part of showing up as my best self. The other is doing what I've already set out to intend, you know, what I've intended to do to begin with. If I intended the day before to get up and exercise, I'm going to get up and exercise. And that may not look like (laughs) what I thought it was going to look like 24 hours prior, but it's going to look like something, right? That flexible mindset is going to allow me to put my feet on the floor and get up and do what I intended to do and march through that. Right, right, right. I think about, um, uh, what's her last, her first name is, her last name is Robin. She has a book called uh, The Five Second Rule. Have you read that? No. It's really interesting because you talked about um, getting out of the bed. And, and, and I want to say her name is Margot Robbins. Uh, correct me, Rachel, correct me if I'm wrong. Mar- look that up. Her five, five Second Rule, Margot <laughs> Robbins. Um, 
And she talks about, you know, our mind will get into our space. It gets into our head. And really, the mind is there to actually hold us back. And we have to actually override the mind sometimes because we get in our heads. We tell ourselves that, you know, I don't need to do this. I don't need to get out of that bed. I don't need to work out today. I worked out yesterday. You know, I did my hundred burpees. <laughs> I did my, I did my hundred burpees yesterday. I don't need to get up and do it again today. And so what she says in the five second rule is that you have to retrain the mind. Five, four, three, two, one, go. Before the mind has the ability to tell you that you don't need to do this, that you shouldn't walk over to that person and say hello, or that you shouldn't make that connection that you need to make because you're saying, well, you know, I'm not good enough. And so it's really, really interesting you said that even though you don't feel like it, I'm going to get up because this is going to help me be my best self. Right. The other thing you said that resonates with me, and I have to congratulate uh, my producer, Rachel, that showing up when you don't feel like showing up. <laughs> right? You know, showing up when you don't feel like sh showing up. And I have to applaud Rachel, and I'm just going to give her a, a little bit of accolade. She has been very instrumental in the work that she's done over the last couple months. And there have been frustrating days. There have been days that <laughs> there have been days that she just didn't want to show up. She didn't want to show up at the show. She didn't want to show up, you know, anywhere because as I'm putting all your business out. But she did show up. And you have to applaud people who know, even in times of frustration, resilience is a part of that. Absolutely. And to be resilient, to be your best self, you have to be resilient. So I, I love that. So on the other side of that, you said that there is a professional revolution. So right. what is that? Right. Well, is, and I want to speak one second to the word resilience, which is that um, in order to have that, you have to practice it and build it. Yes. And so by getting up every day and doing it and pushing just a little bit further, you're building that resilience. So on the other side of that, I guess it's the professional side of it, which is since my revolution is to show up as my best self, I want to help my clients show up as their best selves. And that looks like for them, um, you know, something that's based on their value system, their character, what they're looking for. It doesn't look like what I think it's supposed to look like. So it's a partnership to help them bring their best self every day based on what that's going to look like for them. Right, exactly. And we all have that individual best self. And I've been searching every day to figure out what that looks like. And we had a great conversation before uh, the show started and really being able to see myself post a lot of things in my life and really being able to look back and say I was not my best self at all. I was not portraying myself. I just was not comporting myself. And I actually thought I was a good man, and I wasn't. You know, that's the interesting thing. Thought I was a good man. Thought what I was doing was okay. And to be on the other side of that. And no, no, not at all. Not one, not, not one bit. And you gotta be able to say, you gotta be able to put it out there and say, I wasn't. And what does that look like? So thank you. Thank you so much. So I want everybody to know, I want people to become intimate as, as much as possible here on the Western <laughs> Revolution show. And don't eat all my almonds. All right. Yeah. Jazz and Rachel love to eat the roasted. Almonds. <laughs> so, who is Kimberly Putman? Just like you, I think I'm making it my life's work to figure out what that is every day, right? Because it's not just mm, a conversation about revolution. It's about evolution. It's about evolution. It is. And for me, um, I guess who I am, the heart of it is probably an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd honestly love to say I'm probably, you know, a mother. 
<laughs> at the heart of things, but exactly. the reality is I've been um, an entrepreneur for all of my adult life. So right, that's right. the heart of who I am. I think that spirit of risk-taking, um, pushing past your limits, pushing back your fears, uh, knowing that failure is coming, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. are going to learn from it, and then you're going to be really excited about the potential success that's going to come from that. Right. So I think at the heart of it, um, it's that I'm an entrepreneur. Exactly, exactly. And she's got a wonderful son, Shah. Shy, <laughs> you know, S-H-A-I, like the song back in the day. That's right. I- exactly, I- exactly. Wonderful young man, happy, you know, a- always just has that big smile, just like his mother, you know, <laughs> the big, big smile like his mother. Um, it's interesting, that entrepreneurial spirit, as you talk about, and that's your identity. And so where did that, where did that come from, that you've been an entrepreneur all your life? You know, what made you think about, hey, I'm going to start my own business, and I'm going to make it successful, and to do this, <laughs> that this is what you've done for the longest period of time. So what made you become an entrepreneur? And tell us a little bit about your businesses over the years. I started in wellness, and I think that I learned very quickly that I was not a good employee. (laughs) Um, I was, for whatever reason, not motivated to really work for other people. And I had an idea for a business that I got from the Oprah Winfrey Show. Oprah, hello! (laughs) (laughs) And... um, I turned that business from what had a culinary focus into a wellness focus, and what made me want to do it, I think I'm very driven by lifestyle, and if you are driven by lifestyle, being an entrepreneur, being able to make your own choices is where it's at. So, you know, my lifestyle and the quality of my lifestyle, being able to set my own boundaries, push my own limits, do what I want to do, make and create success that looks like the way I want it to look entrepreneurship was the yeah, way to go. Yeah, you, you've never lied about that, but there's, there are a lot of early 5.30 mornings, <laughs> late nights, uh, you know, when everybody from that 5 o'clock job has put that work down, you're still, you're still grind. It's really interesting because three years ago, I became an entrepreneur. And you're right, you have the ability to set your own agenda. You have the ability to lead people and work with people and be your own boss. But you, you're the one who's held accountable for everything. Right. Yeah. For me, I mean, if I'm asking my clients to do certain things, I feel like for me, setting that example is huge. Right. So uh, I I am really strong about my boundaries between work, personal life, lifestyle. And the more clear I am about those boundaries, the more successful I've been. Right. Right. When I was green and I started out (laughs) and I said yes and yes Yes. and yes. Yes. Exactly. um, I was not nearly as successful. Right. Right. You have to the power of no. The power and know, of no. Power of no and knowing. That's that's the interesting thing about being an entrepreneur. And I'm sure that Rachel can uh, attest to that as well, is that once you get to a certain space in your entrepreneurship and you are doing well and you know your space and you know your lane, you can say no. Absolutely. You can say no and then really and, and then charge. <laughs> <laughs> and no builds confidence. Right. No builds confidence. No, I cannot do this. This is outside of my purview or not even outside of my purview. It's outside of my time right now. And I, I may be able to recommend you, but this is where I am and this is what I'm really, really good at. Right. And I had to find that space myself. Right. And when, yeah. 
Uh, well, when you because when you say no, you can focus on the things that are your strengths, exactly. and you do better. People see that; they ask for more. Exactly, e- exactly. You are listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal here, talking with CEO of Kimberly Putman Coaching, Kimberly Putman, as we begin to have this discussion about pushing past your limits. So, Kim, I'm thinking, you know, uh, we're th- we're these entrepreneurs, and I'm stuck in this space. Right. I don't know what my limits are. Um, I'm just stuck. I'm not moving forward. I'm failing in some app and I just don't know how to get past that failure. Where do I go? Well, Charles. I know. I just lobbed that one up for you. Well, Charles, you come to coaching. <laughs> I come to coaching. You come to coaching. Oh, my. Oh, my. Come to coaching. What is coaching? Coaching. So I have a specialized niche within sort of the coaching umbrella. I do leadership development coaching and ADHD coaching. But just to break it down, coaching in general is a partnership between a coach and a client or an organization. And that partnership is usually about helping the client push an agenda forward. Mm -hmm. And that's the focus. It's about creating an awareness about all of the elements of that agenda for the client and taking that awareness and creating an action plan that pushes them forward. Sometimes it pushes them uh, at a pace that they're very comfortable with, and other times it pushes them at a pace that they weren't necessarily uh, prepared for, but usually get excited about at some point. Right, right. So typical, I'm walking in. What does that look like in the beginning as we think about, you know, I, I, I want to move past failure. I want my business to grow. I want to grow personally. So I, I walk in. I find the wonderful Kimberly Putman. What does the beginning process look like for us as we move through this pace? And where do you push me? That process always starts with me really getting a handle on where you are at and repeating that back to you so that you can hear how you're articulating where you are so that there's some clarity just from the beginning in terms of our relationship. We have a conversation, and you immediately understand that you've been heard and understood. Mm-hmm. And then I ask you questions about, you know, is, is, is that what is this agenda, you know, that you've talked a little bit about, is that what you're looking for? And I start to ask you questions about what would it look like for you mm-hmm. if there was progress and start to get you to really think about and define where you are now, where you want to go. And then sometimes I make suggestions on how we're going to get there. <laughs> and sometimes we build that together, right? Right. right. Because, you know, with, with the, the niche work that I do, uh, it's a little different from basic coaching, right? Basic coaching is very much a partnership that focuses on asking questions and... Uh, eliciting responses that help get the client moving. With executive and ADHD coaching, my job is also to bring a good bit of knowledge, industry knowledge, and social science research to the relationship in order to help you grow. So it is somewhat coaching and somewhat consulting. I got you. Somewhat coaching, somewhat consulting. So that's the interesting piece, that that, that niche. You're, you're not just offering a service. You're actually pushing and providing the consulting piece, the listening, the active listening piece, sometimes we don't hear ourselves and we need that sounding board. Right. We need that place to go. And it's not just, you know, as we talk about in therapy, we don't want to go to our friends. You know, we don't want to go to people that, you know, at that point we trust, but may may not be giving us the best piece of advice. Because sometimes we have to say, 
you need to let go of this. <laughs> Sometimes the most honest relationship you will ever have is with your coach. Right. Because, you know, a big part of what our job is is to help you see past blind spots to help mm. you fill in the gaps. And sometimes your friends and your family and your colleagues and people that work for you are not willing to tell you about what those gaps and blind spots are. It's uncomfortable for them. And so um, as a coach, I <laughs> tell you a lot of uncomfortable things. And that's, and that's, what, that's what good coaching is about. I, I met a good friend, um, and hopefully he's listening today, Roger Duck. Uh, I was in Montreal several weeks ago. And just happen. You never know where you're going to be. You never know who you're going to meet. And just shortly, just I was walking. Uh, my boy, Derek Greenfield, had not come into Montreal yet, and so I was looking for dinner. And I walked past this restaurant a couple times and then decided to go in. And then sat at the table, sat at the bar, uh, as I usually do because I'm, I'm a bar guy, and struck up a conversation with the bartender. And then this uh, gentleman sat down, and we struck up a conversation. And really, really got into a good conversation about what was going on in our country. You know, we're, we're two Americans in Canada. We're talking about what's going on. And it was an unexpected conversation. And, uh, particularly, and I have to say, my bias, as we, you and I have sp spent a lot of time talking about bias. Um, older white man from the United States. And so I did not expect the conversation to move around racial justice and social equity and where we needed to move as a country. Um, because that's not the typical experience that I'm having with older white men in America. And it was a wonderful conversation. And he asked me, he's like, you're an entrepreneur. Can you reach out to my son? My son is, is really thinking about consulting. And so we passed each other's numbers on. And we've talked uh, a couple times since we've left Montreal. But he's very successful, extremely successful. Um, and we began to talk about what that looked like for him. And sometimes we have to see something that we're not. You know, because and too often in our space, Kim, um, we mentor down and fail to receive that mentorship up. Like we're here and we're doing all the mentoring, but who's mentoring us? And I think the opportunity for executive coaching for people who are in that entrepreneurial space who don't know and may not see their blind spots, such as bias. Because if I had said if I had really let that bias go at that point in time, I may not have opened that conversation with him. Absolutely. It, it, exactly. And because, you know, as he opened the conversation, I was saying, I was like, wow, okay, let's, let's put this bias away and let's have an open and honest conversation. And we, we talked on Saturday. It was a really, really good conversation um, about two men in varied spaces in their lives. And it was really, really interesting because we have an opportunity to talk collegially, you know, about a variety of things, his experiences, you know, uh, from his lived experiences and my lived experiences and how we can like gel those things together. Right. So it was wonderful. Um, I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, coaching has that ability to do that, correct? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, you're talking about mentoring up and mentoring down, you know, the opportunity to sort of suss that out and see what that feels like and get the people that work for you to mentor up. Right. To have your protégés mentor you yes. as well right. as you mentoring down mm -hmm. to your, you know, to your protégés, and you know, with 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 coaching, you that that's a blind spot that you often, you know, you miss mm -hmm. as a as a leader who's someone. I mean, ninety nine point nine percent of my clients are have stronger intellectual agility than I do. <laughs> they have more experience than I do. They have more success, depending on how you want to <laughs> define that. 
and my opportunity to learn from them mm-hmm. exactly. is unparalleled. But reminding them that they have an opportunity to learn from the people that work for them, the people that work with them, and the people that are above them, they don't just have to be the expert all the time. Exactly. And I think that is the fear for many entrepreneurs, that they have to be the be all to end all. Exactly. That's right. Get them, Rachel. That's right. They have to be the be all, the end all. And I have to say again, I don't know why I'm pouring all of these accolades on Rachel today, because uh, <laughs> you're horrible. Uh, <laughs> but um, thought partnership is amazing. And Rachel and I have been working together for several years now. And, and, and you know, our thought partnership, when it's on, it is on, right? And, and, exactly. And so it's a great thing. It is a very great thing to have when you have that ability to mentor up and down and to be thought partners. That allows for so much growth for everybody involved. Um, and you, I think when you come to that, and, and if people don't know where their limits are, I think an executive coach has the ability to say, let's see where they are and to test you. And we'll talk about that a little bit after the break. But then you can work together to figure out what it looks like for you to push past those limits, right? What does it look like for Rachel to put down my almonds, all right? All right, <laughs> you know? And uh, so, so things like that. Come back, come back to the limit. Kim, uh, all jokes aside, you wrote a wonderful article. Uh, and there's a very handsome man, who, a very, very <laughs> handsome man um, who is not bearded in that picture. But you use that handsome man to kind of highlight what you call executive presence. Executive presence. <laughs> <laughs> executive presence. So um, love the article. Um, but I began to think about it is, doesn't everybody have executive presence? I mean, you walk in a room, isn't that executive presence? Mm, interesting. I think people have it to varying degrees, right? Executive presence is, I think, you know, you can unpack this a million different ways and, and boil it down a lot of different ways. But at the end of the day, I think executive presence is about how you connect with other people. Mm. And so that can be done very poorly. Right. And so you have <laughs> low executive presence. Exactly. Or you can do it like President Obama. Now, you and know, you, you know, there are going to be some haters. They're I'm go, sure. They're going to be some haters, but it doesn't matter whether you believe that he was a great president or not. Doesn't believe it doesn't matter what you believe. That man knows how to connect. Connect. Exactly. And it's his executive presence that allows him to do that. His um, ability to be confident, but vulnerable and confident with humility. Um, that, that V word vulnerability, vulnerability. Come, it comes up all the time. Ex- exactly. And that's a part of, that is a part of leadership. You have to be a, willing to show this. Yes. This and where you're flawed and all of those things. What else? What is executive presence? What does that look like? It is someone that is incredibly curious because when you're curious, that means you're open to other people. And that is the heart of connections. Mm. If, you know, in communication, the key is you're focusing on the other person, right? You're, you're not waiting for them to be done talking right, so exactly. that you can open your mouth. Exactly. If you remain curious, then people are drawn to you in an unbelievable way. Right. And you can imagine that in, a, in an organization where there are teams and you know employees, if you are curious about every single one of them and how you can collaborate with them mm-hmm. and how you can help them collaborate up and down the chain, your executive presence meter goes off the charts. Right, right. You think about that because we spend a lot of time talking about uh, the work that I do around de- diversity, equity, and inclusion mm. and how bias and, and not being curious about the people that you work with and how that plays out in outcomes for students, for uh, constituents' bases, um, for 
anybody in in the in the, in the playing field if you're not curious right and willing to go out and get the knowledge you're doing a disservice to the people that you work with or that you work for absolutely i think that 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 knowledge about bias is another huge piece of executive presence because I mean, a bias can look like anything for anybody, and everybody has it, right? It could be as as innocuous as you spend more time in a meeting talking to the people that you like. Right, exactly. Or it could be (laughs) as, you know, hateful and awful as, you know, racial or gender bias, right? Um, But the the less you manage, and we all have to manage them, the less you manage manage your bias, the lower your executive presence presence is. There's no doubt. And and we manage our bias by improving our communication. You have to know your bias. (laughs) (laughs) You have to manage your bias. And when you mess up, you have to communicate about what you did exactly. around that bias. Exactly. No, I, I I definitely agree with that. And owning owning your bias in that part of learning to have executive presence. You I learned to, that all from you. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> you heard that. For 1995, you can get my video about how to overcome your bias. <laughs> um, but thank you. I mean, it's a conversation that I have with a lot of people, a conversation that I have with myself. Like I said, there I was in Montreal and knowing that – and, and we think about how bias occurs. We think about how the media portrays things and how, how we're seeing white men being portrayed in our country. Mm. You know, they think about if you're, if you're a white man driving a truck – Right. We're, the assumption is you're a Trump voter. That's right. Right. And you and so, you know, we have to do we still have to get past that bias. And so it was very, very interesting. And I'm very thankful for the conversation that Roger and I have been having. And I'm glad that I was able to work through that space. And, you know, anybody who's been to Canada, know they love everybody. <laughs> the Canadians love <laughs> everybody. Food and yeah, happy exactly. People. Exactly. And we just had a We just had a great time talking and we have to get past. It. And he has executive presence. This is really interesting. I sent him your article last night. I said, I want you to read this because when I think about the conversations that we have, just, you know, from the conversation in the bar to the two conversations we've had on the phone and him telling me about what he does, I was like, you have executive presence. There is that confidence, but there is that curiosity as well. And there is that vulnerability. All the things that you've said are exemplified Roger Duck. And so I'm very, very thankful for that friendship, an ongoing friendship that we're going to have hopefully for years to come. Before we go to break, Kim, oh, you know, you know what's been going on in our country right now, particularly with uh, what's been going on with these powerful men in Hollywood and politics and everything. You being an executive coach to a lot of people, a lot of men, what advice are you giving them now in this space where so many nefarious and atrocities are happening towards women? What are you giving? What advice are you giving to men, or how are you coaching them to be better people? with the people that they work with? Well, I I want to draw a distinction between what I think is happening in terms of what you're talking about in the news and bias. Okay. All right. There we go. I think that you use the word nefarious, Mm -hmm. and that type of power play, that type of subjugation of people is many steps further than oftentimes we're talking about the type of bias that happens in in corporations. Okay, all right. So if I'm coaching someone that has (laughs) um, problems with bias, what I'm going to do is have a conversation like you and I've had about what is bias? How do I recognize that in myself? How Mm. do I begin to start to manage it? What do I do? What's the reality of my, my existence? 
with bias, and we, you know, we, we move forward with that. And, you know, the conversation is vigilance. With bias, the key is vigilance. You've right. got to know, you've got to try, and you've got to consistently be vigilant about your attempts to manage that bias. Right, right. We're going to pick this up uh, after the break because I want to unpack this a little bit more. I want my male listeners to really hear how they can comport themselves in the workplace and how coaching can help them. So think about that as we move to the break. You're listening to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal and my great friend, Kimberly Hill Putman, <laughs> CEO of Kimberly Putman Coaching. Check us out after the break. After the break. You know we gotta do it right now. Be even better. Work, work together. It's now or never. Show them how we shine. We gotta push it, push it to the limit, limit. Perfect gift for a birthday, an anniversary, or how about just to brighten someone's day? Mona's Accents is your one-stop shop for beautiful floral arrangements that are indeed perfect for any special occasion. Dedicated to quality, freshness, and customer satisfaction, Mona's Accents will surely take care of all of your floral needs. So stop by the shop located at 2109 North Claiborne Avenue or call us at 504-944-7001 and let us arrange and deliver your floral gifts. Again, that's 504-944-7001. 
949-444-7001. Or you can order online at www.monasaccents.com. Monas Accents, freshness, quality, and customer satisfaction guaranteed. The New Orleans East Clinic is now open and accepting appointments to meet your health care needs. Located on the sixth floor of the New Orleans East Hospital at 5620 Reed Boulevard, the New Orleans East Clinic is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. to service your medical needs. Accepting all major insurances, get comprehensive medical expertise in one convenient location. Our team of multi-specialty physicians focuses on primary care, pulmonary care, orthopedics, gastroenterology, and neurology services. They're dedicated to providing health care education and comprehensive medical services to improve your overall quality of life. Call 592-6760 today to schedule an appointment with the New Orleans East Clinic. Quality health care close to home. Call 592-6760 today to schedule an appointment with the New Orleans East Clinic. Tickets now for one of the biggest football rivalries in sports history. The 44th Annual Bayou Classic in New Orleans, Louisiana. Friday after Thanksgiving, it's a Biz Tech Challenge, the historic Battle of the Bands and Greek Show. Saturday, the new day and location for the Bayou Classic Parade, followed by Fan Fest, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. And at 4 p.m., it's game on. We are one. The Grambling Tigers and Southern Jaguars. Go to MyBayouClassic.com for tickets and download the official mobile app for all things Bayou Classic. You're listening to WBOK, New Orleans. Welcome back to the Western Revolution Show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru, with my producer, Rachel Graham, the man behind the wheels of steels, Jazz Williams, and I'm here with my good friend, Kimberly Putman, CEO of Kimberly Putman Coaching. Kim, before the break, we were talking about, you know, what's been going on and how we're seeing all these men falling from grace because of sexual harassment and sexual assault. And I want to make sure that we think about this from a asset perspective instead of a deficit perspective. And so what do we do to help men in the workplace make sure that they're the best versions of themselves with the people that they work for? So what kind of advice, again, would, you know, would you be thinking to give? If somebody says, Kim, you know what, I've got a lot of women employees, I have some um, some people with different relationship orientations, same gender loving, um, and I want to make sure that I am the best version of myself, that I understand them, uh, and to make sure that I comport myself in the best way. What kind of advice would you be giving them if I'm coming to you? I would ask what you're doing to empower everybody that works there, Mm. regardless of what their race, orientation, gender, age. I think, you know, we we make a lot of assumptions about what people want and what they need. And, of course, there's social science research that tells us a lot about what people want and need. And we, of course, as leaders want to follow that. But in reality, you have to stay curious about people. You have to make connections. When you go into a meeting, instead of having people on their phones, engage with the people that work there. What we know is that when you engage with the people that are in the room with you, you get to know them as people. And that collaboration and the ability to be productive and or positively productive goes through the roof when you're maximizing the skills and the viewpoints of everybody in the room. Mm-hmm. You're maximizing your creativity, your collaboration. When you are open to dissent in a meeting. And that's that's one of the big <laughs> things. You think about the entrepreneurial spirit. You know, when you're open to dissent. And 
what did they say? What did, what did we say, Rachel, that ego should be what, – what we, we heard this a long time ago. Ego should be like a handkerchief. It's, that's right, that you got to know when to pull it out, right? It should, and we know that a handkerchief usually is just for show, right? you got to know when to pull it out, and your ego should be in your pocket. And so good leaders who have executive presence – They keep that they keep, in check. They keep that in check. And I, I think that we have to understand uh, as men, and we know that men commit the lion's share of violence towards people around the world. Um, and we're seeing with sexual harassment and sexual assault that men need to know and understand their privilege and power and how it comes out in space. Right. And we need to know that how our words and our actions are taken in context uh, and really have the ability to understand that, to leave the ego in the pocket and to understand how our words and power influence people, particularly if we're in a leadership position. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and really understanding. I think that's a, that's a growth avenue for men. Because when you're in the, and we talk about privilege all the time, it is a blindfold. Bias and privilege. So privilege is the blindfold that allow, that allows bias to continue. Right. And so if you fail to take that blindfold off, you're going to allow that power structure and bias. Right? I believe, this is how I believe, and this is how I'm going to lead. People with executive presence don't lead like that. They do not. And what we're seeing is that these men, Right, uh, in in power positions, have not been leading with executive presence, presence at all. They've been leading with something else, and so we need to make sure that 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 period, that that piece. If you're going to lead with executive presence, you have to understand your power and how it's presented in space, and to actually leave that to understand that this is a collaborative operation and institution, and we're going to make sure, like you said, I'm going to be curious about everyone, and I'm going to empower them to actually work together. We see the statistics around diversity and diversity of thought and inclusion of thought and how it makes organizations and corporations so much better, right? 38% increase in revenue when you have a more diverse and inclusive Population of people that are working for you. And how do you create inclusion? Right. You empower your coworkers. When 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 someone that you work with says something off color, inappropriate, rude, uh, that clearly is making the other people in the room uncomfortable, gently or not right. so gently, stand up and say something. Because I can assure you, you will empower the other people in the room. Right. Because if you could hear some of the things that I hear from the women that I work with, it doesn't matter what leadership role they're in. The things that they feel they have to swallow mm -hmm. because they don't have the power. Right. They don't have the numbers. And so they become a group of, you know, squawking chickens if they mm -hmm. say something. Right. And so, you know, they've realized, well, you know, if I want to go along or, or if I if I want to if I want to progress, I need to go along to get along. And that's not inclusive. That's not empowering. And I can assure you that when you silence them on that issue, you're silencing them on a lot of other issues. Exactly. And then you're silencing your whole organization. It, and and it's, you know, you may not think that the joke that, you know, uh, your colleague said was, was that big a deal. Or you may not think some, you know, phrase that's commonly used is, is, is so off-putting, but the reality is every time you, you utter one of those words, everybody in the room hears it, right? and it just reinforces the power dynamic. And it becomes a – that's the culture of your organization. 
And it absolutely is. If you're speaking up for your coworkers, you're not going to believe the type of cultural environment that you're going to that you're going to create. Exactly. And I think as we move the conversation a little bit, that's a great segue because to do that for some and for many, you have to push past your limits to begin to speak up and be courageous. <laughs> as we talk about using your privilege for good, being you know your privilege can be your superpower if you're using it, but you have to be courageous enough to say. You know, I've got to stand up. And so why is it important as we move this conversation into really the, the critical topic, why is it important for people to push past their limits? I think that starts with the the principle of goal setting. If you don't know where the beginning is, you can't find the end. Mm. And so the idea of wanting to push past your limits starts at learning about who you are. And when you know yourself, you can start to think about what your goals are, and then you can start to think about what that limit might be mm. and what pushing past it might give you. You know, what's the what's the reward? What's the cost? Because there's, you know, there's there is a cost. There is there there is a cost. Let's unpack that for and go all the way back to the bottom for a second. You talk about knowing yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You talk you talk about knowing yourself. I do. And that's scary. Because really knowing yourself, Kim, is actually placing the mirror up to yourself and looking and saying this is who I really really am. This is who I am. And many people will not do that. It took me a long time to get in front of the mirror and really that proverbial mirror and say this is who I am. And it's not pretty. Mm -mm. It's it's not pretty. But if you do not do that, you don't even know where the limits are. The limits of your greatness, the limits of your failure, the limits of anything. But you have to know who you are. How how does an executive coach, boom, allow us to figure that out who we are if we don't know? I'm going to I'm going to reveal my biggest secret. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You hear it here. Here. <laughs> Kim's biggest secret on the What's Your Revolution show. What is it? The most important thing for you to do when you either want to know yourself, set a goal, push past your limits, the most important thing for you to decide is that you are going to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> if you want to be successful in any of the things that we're talking about, pushing past your limits, knowing yourself, setting goals, being happy, being successful, you better decide you're going to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. Come on, Kim. Nobody mm. wants to do that. Nobody wants to sit in the cold. That's nobody, right. Nobody wants to sit in the cold. Nobody wants to take a cold shower. Nobody wants to dip in the cold pool. That's right. Nobody wants to face themselves as a liar. Nobody wants to do those hard discomfort. What do you mean? You know, I want to sit in the I want that nice fur jacket on when I'm warm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I want to be around people that love me all the time. What are you saying? Why would I want to be discomfort? Well, uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And I think that's the question. Most of the people that sit down on my couch for a session have already decided that success and happiness are the two things they want. And so once they've decided that, then they already know they're willing to do the absolute hard work to get there. Mastery is challenging. Change excruciating <laughs> wait a minute pause <laughs> pause mastery is what challenge challenging and change, change is excruciating wow that's the tweetable moment of the day right I exactly mastery is 
is challenging. Change is in, say, I mean, this is why my this is why my clients impress me because what they accomplish isn't easy. I mean, people that are successful with coaching have gone through that process of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. They've pushed past their limits. They've found out who they are, and they've continued to bring that awareness forward so that they can make progress. Mastery is a challenge. It is a challenge. So what does that look like? What does being uncomfortable look like personally and professionally? What does that look like? Because I have a friend who says this all the time to me, orchestrate your discomfort. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, I, I, and I don't even know if I'd like that because if I'm orchestrating my discomfort, and I love her. She's one of the, she is, has the hugest brain that I know. Uh, Natalie Burke, if you're listening, I love you. All right. <laughs> I love you. Literally. Like, I love you. <laughs> um, but she always talks about orchestrating your discomfort. And so what does that look like? What does discomfort look like as we're growing, as we're pushing past our limits? I mean, I, a specific example. What does that look like? I do want to say something positive about this discomfort before we unpack it completely. One of the things that you, I think the Marines say it, I'm going to get it wrong, armed forces people, I'm very sorry, but um, what is it they say about pain? Pain is what what you know is keeping you alive or your pain, if, if you're in pain, you know you're still alive. Well, what I think about discomfort and getting comfortable with it is that when I am uncomfortable, I know I am moving, I'm growing. <laughs> Success is around the corner, some sort of aha moment is coming because I'm uncomfortable. I'm struggling. It may be mm-hmm. that I am mentally uncomfortable sitting, realizing, as you've said, who you are, mm-hmm. that I don't like what I see. I don't like what I've done. I don't like my behavior. I don't like that I let myself down. And I think, you know, all of this knowing yourself comes from, you know, my father who had, you know, two things to, to teach me. One was you are your best competitor and you know why? Because you always know what that competition is doing. Right, you exactly. cannot lie to yourself. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> we do. We lie to ourselves every day. Well, you can try. But you the can. reality is you still know it. You do. You do. You, you, That's you, why you're your best competitor. You, and you. then, you know, he, he always talked about the idea of continuous improvement. And I don't subscribe to that because I, that causes a lot of anxiety. But that's a lot why, of you know, bringing your best self, you know, the healthiest version of yourself, however you want to say that, you know, I think that, you know, that that's it. But a, a specific example of being uncomfortable, um, I think, you know, for me that I'm an introvert. And for me that looks like mm-hmm. making connections outside of my comfort zone. Right. Walking into a room and instead of hiding in paperwork, I immediately say, hey, hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. And that for me, the second I do it, it's the best thing I've done because I've taken that first step. That, I put it. my feet on the floor. I got my, sho- my shoes on. I'm ready to sweat. Right. Whatever it is, you know, I've, <laughs> I I've, I've done that first handshake. Exactly, exactly. And if anybody knows, um, they wouldn't believe that you're an introvert. <laughs> um, because when I met Kim, i got to tell this story. I met, I met Kim. Uh, <laughs> oh. Yes, yes. I gotta, I, I, nobody would believe this because I met Kim two years ago. Mm. Maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. A year and a half ago, and a half, yeah. uh, I was at – it was a crazy day because I was at Costco. I had a flat tire. Had to go to Costco to get them to change the tire. And this woman just with a duckbill hat on <laughs> and some running shorts and t- says, hey, Charles, how are you? I know you. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm coming to your birthday party. What? Wait. Then she let me know. She did my good friend Dana. 
uh, Dana Henry, and all of a sudden we just started talking and all of these different things and have been good friends ever since. But so it was really interesting. Maybe, for, and what do you say? Maybe for you that day, that was you getting, you know. You just didn't remember that we had already met. That's right. We had met. I was, you know, I was kind of in a hat. Yeah. You, you said you had an oil treatment. That day. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I had an oil treatment in my hair. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. We did meet it at, um, Superior, That's but right. I was outside on the phone as as always, um, <laughs> talking to my boys that day. And so that discomfort is, is crucial. It's key. We don't often sit in it, and we have to sit in it sometimes for a long period of time. That's pushing past your limits, and that is really getting the mindset that this is okay to be uncomfortable. You know, I remember <laughs> laying in bed one day and knowing that I had thirty six hours before I was going to be able to leave a place. Right. Mm. And knowing that I was uncomfortable, knowing that I wanted to run out, knowing that I wanted to leave or whatever. But I said to myself, I was going to have to sit through this because it was going to make me stronger. It was going to make me better. And it was excruciating. Like you said, it was excruciating to lay there and know that all of this was happening in the midst of my life, in the midst of what was going on with us and that it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable, but I knew that I had to stay there. I had to really deal with this because if it was going to be what it was going to be, I had to feel that discomfort. And that, that's, that's crucial. And I think that some people are leery because it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work. So, okay, I'm coming to you. You're going to place me. I'm, I'm your client. You're going to place me into discomfort. But I need to make sure you're listening to the Western Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corporal. We are talking about discomfort with – uh, CEO of Kimberly Putman Coaching, Kimberly Putman. What? How are you going to place me in uncomfortable situations as a leader, as a person, as my coach? Well, the thing about coaching is that you are the driver, and it's you that are going to define what that uncomfortable place is and decide that you're going to be there. It's my job to provide the support, the accountability, the motivation to give you the lens to look at yourself with confidence that you may not have to to move into that space. But it is going to be your choice um, because the more choices you make, the more powerful it is. If, right. if I am doing too much of the work, it's not nearly as as a pow- as much of a powerful experience. So you're not going to tell me to go jump out of a plane. Mm-mm. You're not going to tell no, me that. No, sir. You know I love to do that. <laughs> right. No, but when I'm not you- <laughs> uncom- like I said, I'm not uncomfortable jumping out of a plane. But but then the, you know what? After your first experience of you deciding what you're going to do, trying it, having success, my job is to keep reminding you that it's all about practice. Keep all about doing practice. it. Right. Keep doing it. Keep trying. Get other people around you to push their limits. In the same way that I am coaching you, you coach the same way. Right, because if you – that old saying that if you're the smartest person in your group, you need to change that group. That's right. Right, exactly. and so if, if the people that you're working around are not pushing past their limits, you all are going to stay stagnant. Exactly. And I, and I have to thank the good brothers uh, who I am actually joining a group of powerful men here in the city who are actually doing some very good work personally – uh, about pushing past their limits and really then holding each other accountable. And I want to thank my good friend Brandon Speed for inviting me to be a part of this group and, and Jamie Wright uh, to be a part of this group of really good men who are saying, look, we want to be better. We can't really do this alone. And I think part of that is is that peer-to-peer coaching. Right, right, you know, and, and that's huge. It is huge. It, it is huge because, you know, um, 
Though I would love to come to see you every day, uh, my, my pockets <laughs> may not be able to uh, afford them. So you're basically giving us that piece and then using that peer-to-peer coaching to really push past those limits. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm a huge fan of peer-to-peer coaching because what works in your group will often work for you. You, cha- you, you share your struggles. You yes. share your triumphs. And you brainstorm, you collaborate. It's another group um, outside of where you work to collaborate with your peers that, you know, may be diverse, may not be. But I can assure you, you know, none of your experiences are completely unique. Right. And no, by sharing no. them, exactly, you are much more powerful. Exactly. E- exactly. So I, I want my listeners to really understand a little bit more and really bring home something about you. What's something that has happened that, you know in your life that you'd like to devolve that, you know, really would show that you were uncomfortable but were able to move past your limits to be successful? I I loved kind of pre-reading this question because I thought about it a lot because I, I actually love the idea of pushing past my limits. I'm the opposite of an adrenaline junkie. I don't like to push myself physically in a way that is scary or, or heightens my adrenaline. And so, but I, I push my limits on a regular basis. So I started thinking about, you know, when is a time when I just was um, stuck. <laughs> and, um, you know, I hate to go this deep, but honestly, it, it was when my father died. Mm-hmm. It was beyond a paralyzing experience. I'd never been so lonely mm-hmm. in my life. Uh, my father was my, you know, my greatest collaborator, my, um, not so much my biggest champion, right? Because, you know, he, he, he certainly would say, oh, you're great, but you know, you could be better. Right. But he was, my rock. He was my person. And when he was gone, the loneliness just made me feel like I didn't want to go on. Mm. And, you know, people would, uh, and I didn't really, I didn't share it, um, very much. Right. (laughs) Not the best thing. Um, but the reality, (laughs) you know, you asked what, what was the catalyst? How did I get out of that? And, um, Essentially, the catalyst was him again, knowing that, you know, he trusted me to take care of his family. He trusted me with his wife, Mm -hmm. his grandchildren, and his son. And there were responsibilities that I had to take care of. And in order to do that, I had to better myself. So (laughs) I pushed past my limits and I joined... um, a group, a collegial group, actually. And my participation in that group transformed how I saw myself, mm-hmm. how I participated with other people. And it gave me the confidence to say, you know, your your, your greatest collaborator is gone, but you and the new you are here. And you can do anything. Right, exactly. And that was it. I mean, that that the pushing of that one limit has made me feel like most things – you know, are, are unlimited at this stage. Right, right. And we we sit and, and you think about how you could have sat in that space and not going out. You Like you said, you're an introvert. Absolutely. Right. That and was I, it. Right. And I know we've been in spaces sometimes and, you know, with introverts, all of the stimuli can be too much. And you're like, okay, I got to go. Peace. Right. But pushing past that and knowing that you needed a group of people and putting yourself out there. And then saying, you know what, there's a collegial group that's actually going to push me. And you're benefiting from that. And, and that's, that's, that's huge. You know, and sometimes we think you know, it's going to be this grand gesture to get out of our discomfort. It doesn't have to be. It can be small steps taken daily, every day that build and build and build to get us past that, that limit. 
it doesn't have to be I'm going to leap off of this. That's right. It does not have to be a leap. And we th- I think we think about it like that, that I've got to take this giant leap. No, consistency every day, moving past, all right, getting out. I'm going to talk to one person a day. I'm going to say this. Or I'm going to make one connection, right? Then you make two connections. And, and then after 10 days, you've got 10 connections, and all of a sudden you've got a network. That's right. And then be- before you were like, oh, nobody wants to be with me. Nobody, nobody likes me. But now moving past that. And when you get to know people, I posted on Instagram the other day, if you're not helping somebody, this world is pointless. Meaning and purpose. You just said it right there. If you are not making an impact, you've got no meaning, no purpose, therefore no happiness, and probably no success. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, as usual, our time is running out. I want to make sure that we give everyone um, some good strategies and, you know, about pushing past their limits. If you some quick things. I want to start today. I listen to the show. You know, I'm thinking about I'm sitting in this uncomfortable place or maybe I'm not even there. What are some things I can put in my life today? Okay. I promise you this is not a plug for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) I I recently wrote an article, uh, a blog post on my website about goal setting and it encompasses a ton of social science research about setting goals, how to do it in a way that will truly help you break down what it is that you want to accomplish into uh, in a way that will help you create success in the end. So my first step would be go to the website, KimberlyPutman.com, go to the goal setting and goal achievement blog and read it. Pick something, adjust it for that article, right. and move forward. Gotcha. I'll make sure that we post that on all of the What's a Revolution media. I'll go to your website. <laughs> Pluck it and make sure I put it out on. So what are some of the things that it said, just quickly? Well, and then the, the second thing that I want to say about it is, you know, you have a goal, right? You've gone through, you've read the article, you've set your goal, you've put everything in motion. The second most important thing, and this is kind of what you've touched on on and off, is you need to have a flexible mindset about what that looks like every day. Every day. A flexible. <laughs> a flexible mindset. So exercise is not necessarily 60 minutes of sweating until you die. Exercise can be... 10 minutes of enjoyment being outside. Exactly, exactly, doing yoga. Whatever uh, it is, but flexibility is. around what that action is going to be that you're going to take every day. Right, exactly, exactly. Kim, I want to thank you for all that you do, uh, for making the world better <laughs> uh, and ensuring that your clients and the people around you feel supported and loved uh, and that they have the ability to push past their limits. And if you have an issue, if you have, you're in a coaching space or needing a coach, please go check out Kimberly Putman coaching, coaching.com. Um, and make sure that you are attempting to push past your limits. And you know what question I want you to answer every week. I I, I won't even say it, but you know, (laughs) it's the proverbial question of your life. Make sure that you're answering it each and every day. We look forward to having you back next week.